Hey everyone, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. We have some really interesting movies to cover this week. And before we get, you know what we should do is I'm going to, you know, I do this every week for our YouTube channel. I I, I say to myself, I'm going to change my name and it's always bleeping Greg Srizavasti. And look who we have here, my co-host, Eric Holmes for our YouTube channel. He is called, he is calling himself Walter Paisley for this week. Hello, Eric Holmes. How are you? Uh, it's actually uh, the name's Walter, but I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking, Greg. <laughs> if you, How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. You know, here's the thing: a, a, a big running, not a running joke, but a running truth as part of our podcast is Eric Holmes really likes to has a tendency to correct me, and that's very, very good. I think that adds a lot of flavor. No, 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 I, no, Greg, Greg, Greg that's wrong. Oh, I correct sorry. you. I, I see. Okay. Yeah, I, I also wanted to correct you into saying that I never correct you. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I have been corrected thrice already and we're not even But not by me because I never correct you, but go on. Okay, I am now an emotional mess. We are with Vicious Bruce, aka Bruce Perky, our other co-host, our betters, Bruce Perky, Vicious Bruce. You know, I'm going to tell you this last week for you, has it been a great week for, for movie watching? Because I think you've been on our Cinematics Facebook group. You've been really, really high on a lot of movies. You sound like me for a weird, for a weird way yeah, in a second. <laughs> you sound yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. I've had a really good week of watching movies. It's been fun. Like two movies I've shared with my son. It's been so good. So, you know. You've been like the hype man on our Cinematics Facebook group. You're telling people to see this movie and you really love it. And you're usually cynical and, and usually uh, you do takedowns. What ha- what happened? Is it, is it a Don't new- worry. I'll be back next week. I've, I'm sure there's some <laughs> hipster bullshit I can make fun of next week. So, you know. I know. That would be that'll be very good. Our, our, our three main movies that we're covering this week is First of all, Fear Street 1666, Fear Street Part 3, 1666. I don't even know if they call it Part 3, but it, we all know it's the third Fear Street, it's 1666. This podcast, just for evergreen purposes, is coming out on Friday because Netflix actually wants people who actually review 1666 not to spoil it for anybody. So they're actually making all the reviewers release it day and date. Eric Holmes, do you think that's a good idea? So so people like us don't spoil 1660 thing. 16, yes. Yeah. And I would also say for our show, we should tread very carefully because there's a, there's a, some parts in there that I think would, that surprised me that I think would be best if uh, we just didn't talk about it. Okay. I think in general, Eric Holmes, because you correct me so much, you should just tread carefully just down the road. Very, <laughs> very, you know, I'm right, Bruce, or are you, are you on Eric's side? What do you say? Do you think you can tread it wherever he wants to? Um, I think he can say whatever he wants as long as we just don't talk about the aliens in part three of oh oh, oh fuck. damn okay. it I shouldn't have mentioned okay. the alien invasion okay I'm sorry guys you weren't we'll supposed to out. talk about that you weren't supposed to talk about the fact that Freddy Krueger shows up oh, oh, damn it no what about Robert Shaw getting eaten by the shark is that stop it, oh no. no okay I'm no. gonna stop I'm gonna stop <laughs> so that's 1666 Fear Street Third Street hopefully third um, third installment final installment of the Fear Street trilogy hopefully all three of us love it. We're also covering a Nicolas Cage film called P.I.G. Pig. Bruce Perky, last week, Eric Holmes was telling me about poker, being having a poker face and how, how to tell what's a, what's a, what kind of hand you have. And he, he actually read me the right way last week. You have a tell this week. Can you tell our listeners regarding Pig? How many times did you see Pig? Twice. I watched Pig twice. Okay, Eric, you're a smart man. Does If Bruce Perky has seen a movie twice, does that mean he really loves it? That means he hates it a lot, and he wanted to make sure that he got everything 
uh, he wanted to take notes on all the things that bugged him so he could uh, make sure that he gets them all out. Eric Holmes is such I'm a I'm pretty great... sure I'm way off on that, by the way. <laughs> Eric Holmes was a great poker player last week, and suddenly he became Ed Norton <laughs> from Rounder suddenly on, the, on this week. But I, I'm assuming Bruce Perky really loves PIG Pig, and we're going to get to that as well. And then last but not least, Bruce and I, we, we covered this movie called How It Ends. It's a movie. Eric, you know, this movie was made in Los Angeles. It was made during the time of the pandemic a year ago. Okay, I guess in, in many ways we're still in the midst of it. We're post-pandemic right now, but I don't, I don't want to, uh, you know, I, I don't want to rain down this, this movie parade with, with variants and stuff. I'm not going to do that. We're going to be happy, happy pod. But How It Ends, shot in the pandemic in, in L.A., should be an interesting talk with me and Bruce to see whether, whether we, we both love this movie so those are our three main movies this week and before we get to it eric holmes let's say a couple we need to say a couple of thanks uh, a couple of thanks to mr russo can you just tell our listeners if they haven't already what can they also listen to in our feed regarding director joe russo what uh what what else well you can listen to the interview with joe russo in our feed if that's what you're talking about that's which right, uh, yeah. is he, he was uh he was very kind to come on and he was awesome to have on and uh you know He's just a, uh, I'm trying to think of all the nice things I can say about him, but there's not enough room in this podcast. So I'll just have to continue saying it in podcasts from here to come. But I, okay. I loved having Joe Russo on. It was a lot of fun. He was very open, which was also great. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's exactly what you want out of a guest that shows up on your show to be as uh, involved as he is. And yeah, I can't think of him enough. Well, you know, you know, Eric, you and I hogged a lot of that those, that interview with Joe Russo. But you mm-hmm. know what? It's not the it's not the quantity of questions you ask; it's the quality. Bruce Perky comes in with a right a right cross and a right, what is it? An uppercut, body blow, interesting punch. Not a nice punch. Great punch to to Joe Russo. He asked a really interesting question about uh, me, a possible. Uh, you know, the darkness of the op hair nightmare, which I, th- I thought was pretty cool. Bruce, you had some plot alternatives and everything like that. You know, did you did you find that movie, even as a TV movie, sort of interesting with all the flourishes it had? I, I went crazy for that movie. Oh, yeah, it, it was really interesting. And I think that um, I didn't want to ask him too much about it because I'm sure he has to kind of tread the line too. But I, I really was interested in like what is kind of required and what is not required when you're making a Lifetime movie. And I, and I wonder how much he had to kind of stay within certain constrictions. And I felt like there was a little bit going on there, but um, he was really cool either way. I mean, it was a lot of fun. And he had a, a Halloween 3 season of The Witch shirt. So, I mean, how can you possibly go wrong? <laughs> and Bruce definitely immediately sniffed that shirt out. He really enjoyed it. He complimented Joe Russo on the shirt. Speaking of really interesting conversations, Bruce, can you tell our listeners what can they expect in the future? We're going to get to Spartacus in a second, but also your talk regarding Billy Jack. That that's that's coming up soon, right? Well, I think that's Eric's baby, so I think he should be able to promote it a little bit more than me. But it was a lot of fun. I'll let Eric say what, okay. what that was all about. Well, for any of the listeners who uh, watch a little movie called Groupers, you may have noticed uh, one of the uh, best characters in that movie was Hank, played by one Travis Stanberry, and uh, he came through town uh, it was a month or two ago, and I brought him to Entertain Mart. And, you know, we, we talk about all that, but, uh, he chose, uh, instead of giving him the card, instead of giving him a gift card, I was just like, well, let's just go to entertain Mart and then I'll buy you a movie. And then, you know, when you watch it, hit us back and we'll talk about it. And he chose Billy Jack and that's what we did. And I will throw this out to any listeners. If you come through 
uh, Colorado Springs, hit me up on either the Facebook or the Twitter saying, hey, Eric, would you like to take me to entertain Mart? And I will say, yes, Twitter or Facebook follower, I will take you to entertain Mart and pick out a movie. And then you too can come on the show and talk about your spoils. And I would say if you think that you have no interest in Billy Jack, you might want to listen to it because it was a lot of fun. Even if you don't think you like Billy Jack, I think you might have fun listening to it. So, Okay. So you guys, was this the first time both of you have seen Billy Jack or you guys have both seen Billy Jack you know, quite, a, quite a bit before? Kind of. I, I, I was kind of like uh, familiar, but not too, like I'd, I'd seen bits and pieces, but I think this was the first time I saw it like front to back. Probably the first time I'd seen it since TV in the late 70s. So it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert. Should I watch it? Would I like it? I think you would appreciate it more than you would like it, if that makes mm. sense. Okay. That you would be like, you'd probably be like, this movie's not like, the, the, and we talk about it, but the movie's heavily flawed. But I think there's a lot in it that you would kind of take away from it. It's like, oh, I didn't know they did that in movies back then. Okay, cool. So that is an upcoming Billy Jack episode, which will be part of our podcast feed. Also, Anderson Cowan, my co-host in Cinematics, is probably not my friend anymore because I've had this Spartacus and Lolita podcast that we recorded almost two weeks ago that I haven't even put up yet. So we're going to put up a Spartacus and Lolita, a.k.a. Stanley Kubrick Director Spotlight in the next couple of days. So you're going to get a lot of good stuff on our podcast feed. But as everyone likes to say, or most people who actually live in the moment, let's stay in the moment and let's start with our featured movies this week. The first one is Fear Street Part 3, 1666. Again, it opens Friday, July 16th on Netflix. It is streaming. I'm going to read the plot synopsis of this is very quick. It's a teaser. Witness the epic conclusion of a 300-year nightmare. Fear Street Part 3, 1666, the final chapter of Netflix's epic summer movie event premieres Friday. That's really all I really want to say. And maybe yeah. one more little sentence. The And this is this is actually part of Netflix's synopsis because we don't want to spoil certain things. The origins of Sarah Fear's curse are finally revealed as history comes full circle on a night that changes the lives of Shady Siders forever. Now, that's fair enough. Okay, we're going into this review, assuming you've seen both Fear, the first two Fear Streets and Fear Street 3, we're left with sort of a kind of a time travel body possession situation with Fear Street Part 3. We are in 1666. We are actually in the body. The character is in the, bo- in the body of Sarah Fear, and we actually understand and we actually follow Sarah Fear's journey into, well, is she a witch or is she not? Why is... Shady Siders, what is the origins of the curse, essentially? And that is what Fear Street Part 3 is about. Obviously, you've seen a lot of you listeners, viewers have seen portions of clips from Fear Street Part 3. And you're thinking, does it feel like a sort of a horror version, amped up horror version of something like Arthur Miller's The Crucible or something like that? Yeah, maybe a little bit of both. First off, Bruce, what did you think of Fear Street Part 3, 1666? I think it was uh, the first half I'm not going to get too much depth into it. We got to be really, yeah, like like Eric said, we got to be really careful here. Let's just say the part, you can guess that part of it's going to go back to present day at some point, because otherwise you would have no closure on the beginning of this. But I would just say to me, the part of this that is focused mostly on the um, 1666 is really effective. I thought it was really, really good. And surprisingly emotional. I think that the the final part to me is a little more middle of the road as far as uh, 
it's a little more kind of standard action horror-y kind of stuff. I wish there's no way to do it, I don't think, because of some plot twists that happen. I kind of wish we could have somehow interwoven the two. So maybe they both came to an end at the same time. I don't think it's possible, though. That being said, I think it's a solid end. I don't think... I just wish the emotion that happened in 1666 side could have been there at the end of the other part to me, but it's, it's still a recommend. Okay, good. Eric, your thoughts. All right. So we got return of the Jedi, Superman three. Uh, what, what, what else we got? We got <laughs> Godfather. Uh, Dream, Dream Warriors, Godfather three. These things all have one thing in common and that is that they're all the best of the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I did this. Um, I, I was I was digging the Fear Streets, and I was really hoping it would stick the landing into this. And uh, in my opinion, this movie absolutely did. And actually, I think this can kind of uh, you know, along with the previously on Fear Street that they do at the beginning, because uh, you kind of need that because it's not uh, Fear Street night or sixteen sixty six isn't quite standalone, but with a little bit of. Uh, little bit of extra editing at the beginning this totally could be a standalone but it's not there's two other great movies that come before it so this is uh i I would say this is a uh official horror classic uh especially for especially for the uh the younger uh horror fans this i I really wish this came out when i was a kid because this would be like the you, you talk about great trilogies you know lately it's the new plan the apes trilogy and you, you got to throw this one in the bucket now, because uh, I, I think that, you know, even with the problems we've had with the first two with the uh, the the needle drops, it's like everything else about the movie is so good that you just overlook that. I mean, that just speaks to how great all three of these movies are. I don't really want to say too much about the plot other than watch it. Not quite what you think it's going to be as the other two are, for that matter. And uh yeah, th- this one really worked for me. I, I do oh. kind of agree with Bruce said. I, I like the first half a little more, but I just, I dug the whole thing. Okay, now credit goes to Kiana Madeira. She's the main actress behind really the first and the third films. That's not too much of a spoiler. In the first one, she plays me- the main character, Dina. And obviously we're, we're assuming you've seen the first two films. The end of the, at the end of Fear Street 2, Dina actually, or maybe it's Fear Street 1, where she actually touches, I believe, Sarah Fear's hand, and she actually gets transported. So, so bottom line is she's transported into Fear Street Part 3, and she is, as you can tell from the videos you've seen before watching the movie, she she is in the she is in the body and mind of Sarah Fear because she gets to see what Sarah Fear goes through in 1666. Bruce Perky has a very valid point regarding 1666 it is so powerful for at least half the movie that it's hard it is it is a bit of a look i'll be honest it's a bit of a come down when when they have to go back and pretty much solve everything you know regarding the curse the shady siders this versus the sunny veilers the the serial killers solve all that mystery but you know what to that point and bruce actually answered his own thing his own query it would be too complex to try to interweave these stories together and it's an inevitable situation that lee Jan- janiak you know has to actually deal with because 1666 is pretty much in my opinion the best part of the entire trilogy you're, you're taken back several hundred years it's a completely different tone from 78 and 94 but that said to eric's point I still thought it, it wrapped everything up. The mystery of Seraphir surprised me in, in a very good way. I, I was really happy with it. I just, 
it's a weird it's a weird thing because I agree with what Bruce Bruce what you're saying, but I still I just felt it was inevitable. It was an inevitable. Yeah. You can't you know honestly I was thinking. Look, 1666, if they had a director's cut and it's just four hours, uh, and it's just four hours, three and a half hours of them in 1666, I would have loved that. Would it have been a better movie? No, it would just be more indulgent because the world is amazing. But still, I, I don't see, Bruce, I don't see how you can um, get around that and, and it still the, works. The only way you could do it is to not have, there's a twist, which we're going to just kind of say is a twist. There's a twist about a certain character in this third one that you'd have to reveal earlier. That's the only way you could get around that. But even then it would kind of mess it up. And I would, the only thing I wanted to bring up, I wanted to highlight even further that is it Kiana or Kiara? Uh, Kiana Madeira. Yeah. Kiana. She was really good in the first episode. She didn't have a whole lot in the second one. She is excellent in this episode. She, I mean, this is like star turn material. She is so good. And she has to hold a ton of the weight of this second or this final episode i also would say that the killings and the stuff that happens are much more horrifying in a true way i think in this one as well i think there's always some elements that were like whoa that was more than i thought i was going to get and kind of to eric's point i would say this is great for kids like for like we're saying this is what young adult kind of level probably but it has guts and so many young adults ones want to be like bloodless and they don't want to have guts and this has like guts in storytelling it has guts in actually you know there's actual consequences there's actual violence and there's actual thematic heaviness here underneath the light you know fun that you're having there's a lot of heavy stuff going on here which i i really appreciate eric holmes went said calls this trilogy a classic bruce would you agree with that does it hover towards it being classic or what how do you feel about this yeah i think it does i mean for a for a trilogy of movies that are all coming out at the same time i mean especially if you're like you're looking at young adult like what else are you going to compare to uh twilight this is better than twilight hunger games this is consistently better than hunger games i mean i'm thinking of oh, yeah. like recent recent trilogies for kind of that age group and then to make to add a, to be a horror one on top of that i can't think of a horror one and we've been even compared to something like Die Hard, like everyone loves yeah. the first Die Hard and the second, and th- like it, it just gets worse as the, like, uh, I don't know, say, say another trilogy that, uh, everyone like Halloween. Uh, well, that's, that's a bad example. Godfather, <laughs> the Godfather. Oh, wait, it's a no, bad example. But, bad but example. I mean, there, there, there's certain, uh, there's certain trilogies that people like, oh yeah, yeah. I love that trilogy. And they cite the first one. Oh, what about the second one? Well, that one sucks. Well, a third one, eh, that one kind of sucks too. But like, uh, you don't get many horror trilogies yeah. that progressively get better or at worst stay equally the same as, as they go through. Right. And everyone's going to have favorites out of this trilogy, but I would think anyone who likes any of these is going to think that they're all of equal to better. You know what I mean? There's none of them are like bad. You know, you wouldn't look at any of these. If you like them, you were going to like all of them. You might like one a little bit better than the other, but that's, that's kind of quibbling. I think also it would be cool to actually see this ultimately as one movie, right? Mm-hmm. One big glop of what, what six hour movie or something like that, five and a half hour movie. And it, it would work that way because really there's a lot of, there's we have favorite moments within those five and a half hours but um yeah i i i agree eric i I feel that this is a classic and it's hard to actually get to that level on a trilogy basis so i I am uh, no i don't think that's a spoiler because the 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 one thing that this movie has over like even something like mcu movies is that people that are dead stay dead 
like at the stakes oh, right, the yeah. stakes remain but they they go they go back to uh the people who have died in the previous movies and uh there's one scene in particular that I got an emotional wrench out of me again because it got an emotional wrench out of me when it happened in the previews you see they bring people back but they're not they're not the they didn't bring them back to life they're, like, mean, they're the, like like you said they're uh, ancestors they're, maybe or yeah yeah like, it's a it, it's a weird uh mirror sort of thing but mm-hmm. that but but the uh you know the the stakes are there the stakes remain and i think that's that's you know bad things happen and it's sad but then uh the characters find a way to press on which is uh you don't see that in movies usually you want to find a way to uh oh they died but they didn't really die or oh we'll use magic to bring them back or you know the, any number of things that you can do and and you know they put their foot down pretty hard on this one it's like no once someone's gone they're gone and because this is horror movie and that that's what happens and yeah i I can't say enough good things about this i'm I'm totally glad i saw it and i can't wait to watch it again also on our wider scope the the real horror a lot of the real horrors of course are the tragedies and the killings and whether one's a witch or not the curse on a town but also there's the social horrors where that that are exposed in the fear street trilogy where it says there's if you live in shady side which is which means if you are a lower middle class poor or middle class blue collar family the idea that you cannot make it out of your station because of a curse and over in quote unquote sunnyvale where people are in their mansions and everyone's happy and entitled and they have they don't have to worry about their finances there's this really cool social schism that is felt throughout the entire the series where you know on on a surface level you're you're uh, torn apart by the kills and the curse, but on a, on a, also on the flip side, you're realizing that it's really a story about, you know, something that's what Bruce, like endemic. It's just like centuries upon centuries. There's yeah. going to be a ruling class and there's going to be a class who might pay with their own blood just to get the wheels moving. Right. And it's got the, it's got this big message stuff, but I think why it works is because it always goes down to the emotional core of characters that you're attached to. And that's why this works. It could have been this big message movie and been really broad all the way through. And it's broad with this core of heart, which is what makes it work, I think. And yes, I cannot say Bruce was very on point, very good performances by a really talented ensemble within the Fear Street trilogy. Definitely want, you know, Benjamin Flores as junior as her brother Henry is awesome as well. Got to give him props, but got to give everyone props. But again, Kiana Madera, she, if she does not do a good job to anchor the first and the third movies, honestly, this trilogy wouldn't be as awesome as it is. Okay. She flowers to Kiana Madeira. Eric Holmes, final thoughts regarding this movie that I believe we all strongly recommend. Yeah. Yeah. It's an absolute recommend. I, actually, I don't have final thoughts on this because I will continue to think about this movie. I will continue to watch this trilogy and uh, there will not be any final thoughts today. My thoughts will go on. Uh, Very good. <laughs> Involving uh, Sarah Fear and her trilogy of terror. Yes, yes, that is very good. Bruce, did you realize that we're we're dealing in books this week? There's, there's a, there's like a book in the Fear Street stuff, and we're going to deal with a book later on in the. the... Did you ever find that connection? I just found the connection right now. If you found the connection a week ago, that means you're way smarter than me. No, there's no. (laughs) You didn't see the book, the black, the black book. I know, but I'm not way smarter than you. (laughs) Oh, oh, come on. Come on, you're. I think you're you're way smarter than me. Okay, so that is, that's it. 
That is Fear Street Part 3, 1666. Strong recommend from every one of us. It's obviously just I'm so glad it did not disappoint. Friday, July 16th via Netflix. Now, also July 16th, here's the bad news. It's not on VOD. It's not on digital. So lazy people like me can't pay $9.99 or $12.99 or whatever to rent this on VOD. You, you must go to the theaters, which I don't like to do. Good. Here's the good news. I'm just, I'm anti-social. I'm a hermit. Eric, people like Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky, I'm sure if they had their druthers, they would be seeing the Nicolas Cage film Pig because that is the only way you're going to see it. You're going to have to see Nicolas Cage in Pig in theaters, not VOD or, or digital. He plays a truffle hunter, okay? He lives in Oregon, in the wilderness. He has a ramshackle house. It's him and the truffle pig. You've seen the trailer, folks. Truffle pig gets kidnapped. And this man in the wilderness who... You can tell from the trailer, he, he's probably a former celebrated chef. He goes into town to find his truffle pig. And the trailer suggests it seems like a revenge thriller that is very intense. And, wow. And if it's a Nicolas Cage film, you're thinking, ooh, kind of like, who knows, might be a, sort of a death wish kind of situation with him going. And he has a, he looks very uh, menacing or, or very quiet and who knows he might put a hatchet to some people because the people who kidnapped the trouble pig could be one of those movies maybe not i don't know how much we want to give away eric holmes how much do we want to give away regarding the nicholas cage film pig i'm gonna let you be the judge and jury behind that i did not watch the trailer before watching the movie all i knew about it was the poster of nicholas cage it said pig on it i'm like yep that's a movie i want to watch and then I uh, heard on uh, Cinematics, uh, Greg Ewan Anderson talking about it. And he said it was about a truffle hunter. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like, and he loses his pig. I'm like, okay, th- I, th- I think I get what this movie is. And then I put the movie on and it starts off. And I'm like, yeah, this is kind of This is kind of the movie I was expecting. And then he goes out into the city to look for his pig. And, and there's a underground fight club uh, <laughs> that only features chefs for some reason. <laughs> I don't and remember the, that scene, Bruce. Did you remember that scene? Yeah, he goes in the he goes in the <laughs> place, and the guy's just like punching him. He's just like, "I'm here for my pig," and then it and then it yeah, it kind of became taken with the pig. Taken with the pig. Okay. This uh, this movie is fucking nuts, and uh, and then it kind of like the the weird thing is like it got it didn't get weird. It just it, I guess it became a completely different movie than what I was expecting. And then I, so it took a, it took a bit to kind of get, which is weird that I would be blindsided by a Nick Cage movie being weird. That's just me being an idiot, I guess. But uh, yeah, when, once I got into the the groove of it, I kind of liked it. There was a bit uh Ratatouille bit at the end that, <laughs> that was a bit odd i I didn't care for that too much but uh overall yeah this was a this this movie just yeah this movie just like cold cocked me i was like just huh what okay and then this is the movie we're watching i i kind of want to watch it a couple more times because okay so or or, or at least one or or at least one more time so now that i know what it is Uh then i can kind of uh actually watch it for what the movie's trying to say rather than just constantly being blindsided by what what's going on now. Or maybe that was the point. I don't know. Well, you know, you cold cocked you in a good way or cold cocked you because you were numb from the first viewing experience and you really don't have a recommend or not regarding pig. Oh no, this is a recommend. This is absolutely a recommend. I'm just saying it it just, it just, yeah. 
it, it took the rug out from under me or whatever whatever other cliche i'm not thinking of at the time that i could use for this but yeah okay Bruce, I, I, get... I, I i was just expecting a uh, like Gunda, but with Nicolas Cage in it. That's kind of what I was thinking this was going to be. But or like maybe something like Joe would probably. Uh, is that the Joe? Right, exactly. David Gordon Green. Yeah, yeah. Very good one. Yeah, I, yeah. I was expecting it to be something like this, and this is more akin to like Taken or, as you said, Death Wish, which mm. not yeah, not exactly what I was expecting from something like this. I'm gonna get to you in a second, Bruce. I'm just gonna give a quick thing on, on on pig i was i wasn't blind you know it's weird i had a different read eric i wasn't blindsided i was mesmerized from the second with all the twists and turns and you know what it it knocked me out because probably in the 500 plus nicholas cage films out there this is probably the most emotionally resonant film of his that i have seen by a mile I'm thinking even john even moon moonstruck even something as as awesome as moonstruck this movie really to me was a very profound sublime enriching film that and i don't want to give too much away bruce i'm going to let you do whatever you want with this but this if you are going through listeners or viewers if you're going through any kind of tragedy in your life i would honestly in a weird way recommend you see pig because we mentioned death wish and taken and maybe even fight club but there are notes to this movie eric alludes to ratatouille there are notes to this movie that may floor you or cold cocky like eric like it did with eric but some of you might be just really profoundly moved by pig bruce your take yeah i i adore this movie i love this movie i i sunk into it pretty quickly i didn't have a lot of preconceptions and once i got into it i was like okay this is not crazy nick cage that would i guess the biggest warning i would give people is this is not a fast movie this is not a crazy movie this is not a loud movie this is a very subtle movie and it's a subtle performance by nick cage which that might be weird for people to believe exists although if you've seen some of his older works you know that he can do that this is definitely my i think his best performance in i don't know 20 years i know maybe longer uh maybe not my favorite i I might still like mandy a teeny bit more but they're just so different they're almost uncomparable i think this is a pretty profound movie it's i think it's nearly a perfect movie except uh the fight club stuff it throws me a little bit compared to everything else and the ending uh dinner i'm gonna say a dinner scene towards the end confused me at first but when i finally discovered what's happening in that dinner movie that dinner scene it is perfect it's actually perfect it's what had to happen in that moment i think that honestly that sequence is probably my favorite sequence of all of of this year I'm, I'm thinking, um, I'm trying to think. There's a few, there's a few. I just want to talk about the thing I really like is there's, some, there's moments that are just subtle and Cage really acts so well with such, a, in such a little way, you're expecting him to do these big broad things. And he does things like, there's a scene where he's just sitting on a, with a kid on a back porch of a house, <laughs> which is fantastic. Yeah. There's little things too. Like in a lot of ways, it's, I think this is almost more like a Western this is like a right. Western where some Shane old guy's been, yeah. yeah, like sitting out in the woods forever and he's finally coming into town, that kind of thing. Like there's a moment right where the very beginning where he walks into a, a diner and he says, I forget her name. He says, is Grace here? And they're like, uh, Grace has been dead for 10 years. And he's like, oh, and he's like, can I use your phone? And they're like, are you going to buy anything? And he's like, he says, no. <laughs> and just little, like very simple. Very straightforward. The way he does it, it just lets you know so much about his character and about what's going on and just the way he interacts with the world. And that continues to grow throughout the movie. And by the time you get to a middle section, there's a middle scene 
in a very ritzy restaurant and he looks like he's been living on the street for 20 years and he walks and he's sitting in this fancy schmancy restaurant and that scene it's about a 10 minute scene is one of the best scenes i've seen in years it is spectacularly good you trumped me on that actually that is a better scene than that i that i talk yeah that is a great it's scene. not more emotional but it is spectacular because you have uh, uh i'm not going to say exactly how it turns but let's just say it starts out with him and you essentially like you're looking at this rich restaurant where it's like oh here's this, this homeless like dude they're going to kick him out and this hoity-toity chef and by the end of that scene it is an entirely different dynamic eric holmes mentioned a mirror in fear street and actually what's interesting that mirror is actually that scene you, you it feels like you're you're looking at a mirror some people may feel like they're looking at a mirror regarding the scene that bruce is talking about it, very um amazing eric you're gonna say no oh no. oh no you're good okay no you're yeah are you a little bit surprised at how much uh me and bruce are just completely gaga over this movie no i i think i missed i think i a lot of this muscle went over my head and again like this movie just completely blindsided me anyway so a lot of the time I'm just watching this movie going, I'm like, I, I'm just trying to catch up to the, I, I basically spent the whole movie trying to catch up to it. And so I definitely need to rewatch this one. And we call out Alex Wolf too, because the whole idea is that this is a buddy movie that we haven't even talked about that. In a sense, this is a buddy movie with Alex Wolf and Alex Wolf. Well, his whole character goes on a great, he has a arc as well. <laughs> But he's Alex also Wolf a, is sorry, Bruce. Alex Wolf plays Amir. Amir yeah. is the if Nicholas is Rob in the movie, the Truffle Hunter. Amir is the rich, pretty rich, see, oh, well to do businessman who actually buys the truffles from Rob to get a little bit of clout in the uh, in the uh, area. So he's he's actually a mover and a shaker, and he's actually depends on Rob and especially that truffle pig for a great big deal of his business. The movie also stars Adam Arkin as Darius. Darius plays the father, the uh, controlling and rich and very powerful father of Amir. So, Bruce, I'm sorry. I'm gonna say. No, that's all I was going to say is that he he does a great job in this movie. And I think his addition as a foil and as also kind of a sounding board for a lot of the stuff that um, Nicolas Cage is doing really gives a lot of the, I mean, <laughs> the spice. I'm going to be corny. But I mean, <laughs> it really adds a lot to this movie. There's a lot of things that would be lost if he didn't have that interaction. Because if it was just Nick Cage as a solo act, which he has some scenes where he is kind of a solo act, but just as a solo act going through this world, it would be much starker and much colder. And you wouldn't get that richness of his character, I don't think, coming out. I mean, this in the best way. Pig is so awesome. I just forgot about Nicolas Cage. I just felt like yeah. I was watching an amazing film. Amir, he starts off in at one place in the movie and he ends up in a certain certain way and it is it floored you're floored because as a support a supporting character in many movies even if they're great they're used usually used to support the main character not go on their own journey and you get to see Amir's own journey as well within Pig. There are it's a very I don't know Bruce did you find this to be in a way cathartic in a, in a sense because of what rob played by nicholas cage goes through yes i think so I, I i we could talk more about it but if we would have to get into spoilers but yeah i think it's absolutely cathartic i think that people who only know one nick cage like maybe younger viewers who've only seen him in the last 15 or 20 years might be actually quite shocked by what they see here but this is a this just goes to show you that he's one of our best actors and 
he's just giving it all to whatever he goes to. I heard somebody else talking about this movie and they were saying they were comparing him to like Vincent Price and um, some of these other actors that, yeah. that would act in everything, but they always were a star. And if you gave him the role, like look at Vincent Price, we talked about him in Dr. Fibes, you know, in the later part of his life, every so often they get a role where they can just like lose themselves in it. And you can, you re-remember, remember why we love him besides his craziness. He is a gem. He's beautiful. He deserves more of this on top of the other crazy stuff. Okay. So that is Pig directed and co-written by Michael Sarnowski. And it's also co-written by Vanessa Block. Again, stars Nicolas Cage, Alex Wolf, and Adam Arkin. And yeah, high recommendation for me. One of my favorites this year. Bruce, obviously one of your favorites this year. It's yep. all recommend for me for you, right, Eric? This is a recommend, but uh, for completely different reasons than you guys think. Uh, this, uh, you know, I got a particular set of skills. Uh, <laughs> now look for my truffle hunter pig, and I hope you have them. Otherwise, I might break your neck. <laughs> it'll be so interesting. You know, it'll be so interesting if you get to, get a chance to actually watch Pig again. I, I wonder if you're because Bruce thought Bruce, did you get at something different other than the. That sequence we talked about, did you get a different kind of feeling the second time you saw it? It definitely hit me different because I already knew kind of where it was going. So mm-hmm. I was able to kind of sit in that mode all the way through. Whereas I think your expectation definitely changes as it progresses. So the first watch is definitely, I think, going to affect more like you, more like what you're talking about with Eric. Yep. You know, it, this is a weird thing. This is a funny thing about movies. I thought out of all of us, I thought the one who was going to really go crazy for this movie is Eric Holmes. And it ended up being both you and I just going bat, you know what, for, for this movie. So, and you know, that said, do you think, do you guys think that there might be some people who might just be thrown off by the whole tone of the movie? Cause oh, I think, yeah. okay. Well, yeah. when, when, again, I didn't watch the trailer. So did the trailer kind of, uh, show that it goes outside of the the forest yeah. area where he hunts for truffles. Yeah, it shows. It looks it looks like sort of a, a subtle noir where he's going into town. Okay, and- then I I would say if people see the trailer, then they probably I I having not seen it, but I mean I would guess that they'd be a little more primed for it if that you know if that's fair. Yeah, yeah just it's something that surprised you, which is interesting. I mean, it's it's cool to have movies that yeah. surprise people. Is yeah, and a Hey, I'm not. I'm not at all mad about it. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, sometimes when you're watching a movie and you think it's going to go one way, and then it just takes a turn, you're like, "Whoa, wait! All right, we're awake now. What's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm awake right now. You know what happened? You know what happened right now? I'm not going to edit this. I'm looking at how it ends, Bruce. I'm not doing my job. You know when it opens? It opens in select theaters, July twentieth. When is July twentieth? Uh, is that next week next week (laughs) it's next week (laughs) listeners hey you know what here's a big twist in fear street no 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 twist on fear street no when i'm not going to talk about the 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 twist in pig here's here's the twist well maybe it's not a twist it's just part of the part of the part of the way the world works we weren't supposed to review this till next week (laughs) no 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 (laughs) eric no not just that greg's an idiot Greg, <laughs> Greg, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> wow, how it ends? We're we're not going to review it this week because I'm sorry, we, listeners. If you don't, if you're not looking at our listeners who are on our podcasts, please go to our YouTube. Bruce Porky is throwing dagger eyes at me, and he wants me to be actually. He, he wants me to be. The, he wants me to be the Asian Jared Leto 
in uh, in Fight Club right now. He wants to do, and he wants to Tyler Durden me all over the place because I made him watch how it ends this week when he could have been watching. You know what? He could have been oh oh, and he's stabbing me with a pen. He could have been watching so many other movies. We're gonna get to how it ends next week. That means wow, yeah, July twentieth. I just googled it. You know what, Eric? Why don't you? You know what? You should be on top of me. I'm I'm there. I mean. That, that's you should be on top of Greg. You should be on top of my, my irresponsibility. That's Greg, I would, Greg, I would love to be on top of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, July 20th. That gives, Eric Holmes, that gives you... Oh, look, here's a teaser. Bruce Sparky, I'm going to let you be the judge. Do we make Eric Holmes see how it ends for next week? Or do we... Yes. Just, yeah, watch it. Okay. Very good. Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell it without saying what it's like. Okay, I'm going to oversell it. <laughs> Imagine Miracle Mile. I'm but, sold. I'm but sold. Written, but written by a young Woody Allen, but not as creepy. Uh, you had me, then you lost me with the Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> well, just stay with the Miracle Mile stuff. We'll just we apologize. Even, even, even if Woody Allen was not a pedophile, I'm just, I, I just don't. I'm, I'm going to have to have Greg sell me on the Woody Allen thing sometime. How, how we got to pull him into the world of Jalo. Like, I, I know, Greg, you like the Woody Allens, and I, it, he just never worked for me. But well, maybe, maybe, maybe you could uh, kind of pull me into that world a bit and make me see what I'm missing. Well, there, there's. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this because I said this to the director of How It Ends during the during my during my interview. I tried to go Charlie Rose on him, and I said, you know, uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Ween, um, his name's Daryl Ween. And he's one. He's the co-director of How It Ends. He goes, well. You know your your uh, your movie mentions Bob Dylan in How It Ends, and I if I recall there's a there's a there's a song called My Back Pages from Bob Dylan where he said where he sings I was so much older then I'm younger than that now, so that's how I preface the question and ultimately that question leads into me asking him about exploring one's inner child and how it ends. So imagine Miracle Mile maybe without. Well, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it might have explosions, but it's Miracle Mile meets exploring your inner psyche and inner child with a little bit of comedy. You guys keep selling me when you say Miracle Mile and then you keep talking. (laughs) It just blows me. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Look, you you can't, you can't start with Miracle Mile because the bar, you can't see, see the bar. You can't because it's off the screen. Okay. So Bruce, anything you say after Miracle Mile will automatically be worse than how you started this. <laughs> okay. Well, look, just watch, just watch how it ends next week. Here's, here's a spoiler. It's like Miracle Mile and the main leads in this movie are, wait for it, Mayor Winningham and Anthony Edwards. You excited about that? Uh, uh, who's a, who's a fr- Mayor Winningham? Anthony Mayor, Edwards. Yes. Wait, wait, who's, who's the lead in Miracle Mile? Who's the lead? <laughs> they were, they were the leads in Miracle Mile. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. I, was, I, was, I was nervous. I was nervous. I was nervous. I, I don't know if it's clear. I suck at actors' no, names. Don't, don't, don't. Again, so apologies. the dumpster is now officially on fire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that is how it ends. We're going to be talking about how it ends next week. I have an interview with Daryl Ween as well. Quick we- question. Since we're already off the rails, I got to know, have we ever gotten off the rails quite this much, even to the point where we can't review a movie this week? <laughs> yeah, that's and then you're trying to sell me on what you <laughs> sell you. Failing to sell you on a movie that we can't review right now until next week that you may not like. So, By the, by the way, folks, I, I think it's somewhere in our feed. We, we, in, we actually, when we were movie mainland, we actually did a spoilerific review and discussion of Miracle Mile. We love Miracle Mile. 
So definitely before should, you even we, watch Miracle Mile, I mean, how it, how it ends, just listeners watch Miracle Mile. Watch, yes, Eric. You know, I, I was thinking since we're already off the rails and fuck it, but we should, we should, uh, if we can, we should pull some of those old uh, uh, movie mainline things and maybe put like clips or whatever somewhere. Yeah. That, uh, I that, that'd somewhere. be a fun. That'd be a fun thing to do. I, I gotta, I gotta redig up some of that uh, Miracle Mile stuff that we did. That was really cool. Yeah. Now, you know what's gonna put us back on track? You know, you know what's gonna happen? Miracle Mile. Let's talk about Miracle Mile. No, we gotta, we, we gotta go right yeah. back on track. We gotta go with the steady Eddie of the group, Bruce Perky. Bruce Perky. He's got, he's, he's in town. He's in town. He's right now. He wants <laughs> to have some vicious fun. Yes, vicious fun. Let's let's hear um, about this. This great title, by the way. Great name, moniker. So vicious fun is on Shutter. Uh, it's from, well, I think it's like 2020, but it's this year. You know how that works. We all know how it works. Um, directed by Cody Callahan. Now, this had been on on Shutter for a week or two, and I kept kind of seeing the poster. It didn't really say much to me. I didn't know what it was. I went and checked it out. So the basic idea is this. You have this character named Joel, and he's, oh, this place place in the 80s. So this would be a really good companion piece to Fear Street if you want to kind of stay in that 80s mode. It doesn't have all the needle drops, but they do kind of a synthy carpenter e sort of, you know, score. So it kind of gets you in that mood. And this is equally fun. But I would say maybe more in the vein of like a Fright Night kind of a thing in that you have this doofusy character named Joel played by Evan Marsh. And he's a writer for a Fangoria-like magazine. <laughs> and he's, he's just, he's, you know, the loser, right? He, he, you know, pines for his roommate. She comes home after a date with some other guy. And he's just like, he can't, has no game. He goes to, and the boyfriend is like a Camaro or whatever, and he drives off and he's got the popped collar, the, the usual 80s kind of stereotype, asshole, blonde, rich guy that gets the women. And he's like so upset that he follows the guy because he's going he's gonna to try to figure out like, you know, you know, how can I get the game this guy's got? Goes to the bar, gets drunk because he's so sad. Falls asleep in the bathroom of the bar. Wakes up. The bar has been locked down for the night because it's closed only to discover that there's sort of a support group slash club going on there. There's a circle of chairs. He joins it pretending like he's supposed to be there because they don't know who he is. Like apparently they don't all know each other. They've all meeting for the first time. Come to discover they're all serial killers of different types. That's a great premise. It's very And good. so the fun begins. Uh, <laughs> great supporting cast. Each care, each killer is a different type of killer like one's the you know the jason type you know camp killer another guy's like a more of a meticulous nerdy type you've got a great uh character actors too you've got david keckner in here as one of them you've got julian richings and if you don't know the name julian richings he is the father the older guy in anything for jackson okay so this is just a ton of fun this is the epitome of what you want from a fun throwback kind of horror with an interesting concept that really pays off. Is it grisly, um, bloody, any of that kind of stuff? It's bloody, but it's also funny, but it has the balance. So basically the idea, you know, he's there and he's like, I've got to fit in or they're going to know that I'm an outsider or, and I'm going to be dead. Yeah. He's like, and you're wondering how he's going to get out of this and where this is going to lead. And it leads some very, very, very fun, fun directions. So fun and humble. Unexpected, unexpected directions too, or maybe yeah, unexpected and really. Uh, the key of a movie like this is, you've got engaging, very entertaining 
characters. Like each one of these killers has its own his own style, and each of them is funny, and each of them is charismatic. They got great character actors. There's a partner he ends up with, but I won't tell you who that is. That helps at some point, and there's some great humor with some police as well. It's it's this is just a no brainer if you like that '80s style fun. That's why I compare it to Fright Night, kind of that kid who is out of his element and all of a sudden is dealing with something way out of his element and he doesn't know what to do and and thus the adventure begins are you were you audibly laughing just during the entire movie oh yeah this is i was <laughs> just this is great and the killings are great the humor is really good uh especially for horror fans this is like this is such a saturday night friday night your friends are over and not friends are over. We're going to make fun of it. Friends are over. We're going to have a great time. We're going to have pizza and beer and just enjoy the hell out of this. So that is vicious fun currently streaming on shutter. And this is a huge, strong recommendation. Bruce. Huh? Mm -hmm. Okay. This came out of nowhere. I had no expectation. This would be that good. I thought it'll be okay. Whatever. Let's see what this is. And I just loved it. Well, Bruce, me being a horrible human being, I believe in, (laughs) I, I believe in such words as sacrilege. So how does how does vicious fun does it almost reach the stratospheric heights of I'm sorry PG Psycho Gorman it, mm, it, uh, that's 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 you're talking the holy creme right de there. la creme there you okay. don't <laughs> you don't have the great creatures that Psycho Gorman has uh, and the hu- Psycho Gorman is just yeah Psycho Gorman yeah. is pushing top five of the year you, you're gonna have be a hard time getting there. Okay, but so that's not a discredit to that. That's just me being an idiot. It's still very, very good. Yes. That's like saying, that's not a 10. It's like a 9.5. Oh, well, then I don't want to see it. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly right. Eric, are you you tantalized? You're probably tantalized to see Vicious Fun more than than How It Ends, right? You keep saying Miracle Mile with How It Ends, though. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I'm telling Anthony Edwards and Mayor Winningham, they're the main characters. So that is Bruce's first recommend. And you know what? We have a couple more recommends this week because uh, you know how it ends actually begins on July 20th, not July 13th, like I mis- mistook it for. Eric, what is your first recommendation for this app? Well, I'll, I'll let you pick. I got two. I got a newer one and I got an older one. So, well, we, I know, we all know, listeners know how much you, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to even say this. They know your feelings regarding the MCU. So yes. let's, and, and maybe comic books in general, there, I'm sure there are comic book films that you love. Let's start with something that you really enjoyed as far yeah. as. So yeah, it's, it's been no secret. And, and I, I'm not, I don't hate comic book movies. They just said, especially lately, they've all just kind of been the same. And like everyone flips out over him, and I'm like, yeah, that was fine. Watch the watch the Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, that was pretty. Well, it was so much better than the just. No, no, well, wait, yeah. did you, you it, said it it's pretty fine. good. Did you just? Oh, okay. Uh, I, I absolutely hated Endgame. I hate Endgame with a okay. passion. Okay. Hate right. Winter Soldier with a passion. I don't know what people see in those movies, but okay. like uh, Infinity War. Infinity War was good. The Spider Mans are good. Okay. But I actually seen a, a superhero movie. I actually love. And it's called Shazam. Look, that Probably, looks like a, a kitty movie to me. Like, a, or am I wrong on this? Like, a it kind of is. It's basically a superhero version of Big. This movie really works for me, and I, I, I suppose I can say this because the movie's been out for a while. And this is, I'm not, I'm not turning anyone onto this movie. I'm sure <laughs> I almost, uh, it's almost pointless of me talking about it, as I'm sure everyone listening to this is like, yeah, Eric, we've already been there and back twelve times. <laughs> But uh, there was a scene where uh, Billy Batson finds his mom 
And the whole time he's like, oh, uh, my mom lost me and she wasn't able to find me. And that's why I'm where I am right now. And he finally finds out where his mom is. And his mom, like he always said, like even hug his mom. He finds out pretty quickly that his mom was like, yeah, that was no accident. I saw that you were with the cops and you were probably safe. So I just went the other way. I was like, oh, damn. And he's like, he's like, uh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, you weren't ready to be a mom then. I guess I understand. Well, I can leave now. And he goes to give her a hug. And then she backs away from him. I'm like, holy fucking crap. I cannot believe this movie is going. <laughs> and the movies, I mean, the movie's fun, but it, it's it's moments like that that they put into the movie that's like, uh, I'm not feeling emotion because the, the trailer said that i should feel something for something like that this is uh this is a movie where the emotion is earned the laughs are earned and everything in this movie is earned i think this is probably one of the best superhero movies in a long time and it wasn't one i i, I expected to love as much as i did but uh yeah i, I fucking adore shazam and, is it uh, one of those things where they just made a lot more risks when it came to telling the story, meaning this movie is a lot better than it should have been regarding the climate of, of comic book films. I, well, I, th- I think where this movie does its best is that it's a, it's a movie. This isn't meant to set up the next movie. You know, it's got, it's got a couple of Easter eggs here and there, but it doesn't, it doesn't lean so heavy on them. Like, uh, Oh, Shazam. Uh, your name's Martha. Wait, Martha like in the other movie and then we're going to set up the movie like they, they don't do that stupid ass shit and then like the the mcu movies i mean in my the, the mcu movies are fine but for the most part they're i, I shouldn't even say this out loud it, it feels that the only reason the movie the mcu movies exist is to set up the next mcu movie mm. and the only reason that movie exists is to set up the mcu movie after that and the only reason that one exists is to set like so there's no stories in any of these they're just basically uh two hour two and a half hour commercials for the next movie that's going to come out and so it's it's pretty at least for me it's pretty easy to just kind of ignore them but yeah it's a shazam stands alone you know stands on its own you know they they do make reference to other dce or dc movies but i mean if you if you're not familiar with most of those which i'm not uh it doesn't really matter i mean i'm familiar with batman and superman but like i'm sure they i'm sure they make reference to uh some detail in the movie that just went right over my head but i didn't care about that i didn't care about shazam too i didn't care about the the bigger story of justice league i didn't care about the batman or superman or wonder woman movies just coming out i just care about billy batson and his relationship to him trying to find his mom and his relationship to his foster family and then him trying to uh come to terms with uh you know being the superhero that's nothing new but you know just uh this is like one of those uh superhero origin stories it's also fun like i i really enjoyed watching him discover his powers and yeah, this is, uh, I think, more superhero movies could uh, learn a thing or two from this. But I don't think that this is highly regarded, so maybe not. This movie was a big hit and it was actually round, roundly loved, I believe. Okay. Th- yeah, so Shazam was a hit. It's good. It, 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 actually, it's a surprise hit, if I recall. I mean, they, they knew it was going to do well, but it, they didn't know it was going to do that well. It's good that yeah. this feel you know, you're actually but, making me want to see well, yeah. Well, because like, like I hear everyone talk about Winter Soldier and Endgame and uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League and Wonder Woman. Like, 
like even Wonder Woman was pretty good. Uh, not eighty four. That movie was garbage, and don't ever watch that. But <laughs> you know, that, like all these movies, all these comic book movies that people hold in such high esteem, they talk about them all the time. And Shazam's just not one that I hear people ever mention. And then after watching, I'm like, why the fuck isn't this the only one people are mentioning? But uh, maybe. But again. I clearly have my finger on the pulse of comic book movies, <laughs> as you may know, having listened to this podcast up to this point. Um, so take that for what it is. But I really, really enjoyed Shazam quite a bit. Well, if you haven't seen Shazam, take Eric Holmes's advice and go check it out. I believe it might be streaming on HBO Max, if I recall. But now it, it is. Okay, it is. Eric Holmes is talking about Shazam being a standalone film. Sometimes standalone has to actually not stand alone, and eventually maybe that sequel will happen so speaking of sequels if you really love shazam shazam fury of the gods hits theaters june 2nd 2023 it's going to be a while before you I, see shazam i in theaters. fully expect to be roundly disappointed by the sequel oh no 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 <laughs> you could you will probably love it hopefully it'll be in the same spirit as the original now bruce you have another recommendation and you have this weird thing the last week you're you're just watching movies twice is it is it just a thing uh, you're just watching movies oh. over and over again my, are, are my, you like the girl from Censor? You're just going over the tapes, the VHS tapes? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly right. Okay, okay. My, um, my oldest son has really started getting interested in movies lately. He wants me to, to suggest movies to him. In fact, that movie Come True that I talked about a couple weeks ago, he, he loved. So I watched a movie this week that I thought might be up his alley, and uh, I went and watched it again with him. Since I had a rental and it was you know 48 hours, whatever they give you for the rental, I uh, thought, let's watch it again. This movie is called Meander. just came out. I think it just came out this week, I'm pretty sure. Uh, directed by Mathieu Turi. It's a French director, I do believe. This has some French language and some English language, but honestly, it doesn't matter because there's hardly any speaking in the movie. You can watch this movie and not know English or French, and you can still probably understand what's going on. Um, uh, the main character is Lisa, played by Gaia Weiss, or Gaia Weiss, and she is spectacular in this movie. She is in 99 point i think 100% of the scenes she's probably in every scene in this movie uh and she has to hold it down and she's spectacular so this basically starts out with her laying in the middle of a road on a dark country road in the night and a car is coming towards her and stops and she gets out and the guy says i'll give you a ride and she goes okay she gets in the car they're driving along he's asking her questions they're having a little chit chat back and forth and then on the radio comes an announcement that basically describes him and talks about someone looks like him that they're looking for because he's killed some women. And within seconds, he slams her head into the dashboard and it fades to black. She wakes up in this very strange, like illuminated, metallic, tiny room. And there's no way out of the room. And she's wearing this outfit, looks almost like a scuba suit or something. And on one of her wrists, she has this big illuminated bracelet. And it has a timer on it, like a 15-minute timer. And then a little round door opens in one wall of this room. And she has nowhere to go, so she crawls in. And it's a very, very tight tube. And she starts crawling down the tube. And the door behind her closes. And as she progresses, things change in that tube of various levels of danger and and claustrophobia. This will be highly triggering if you are claustrophobic at all. A lot of people are comparing this movie to Saw. I 
I can see why they do, but I do not compare this to Saw. I compare this to Cube. This is much more similar to Cube. And some people have, as it goes on, and as you might guess, there are variations and things keep changing and slowly but surely you start to discover what's going on, where she is, what's happening. It's almost exposition-less storytelling, which I really appreciate. Very, very high concept. Some people, as it reveals what's going on, like it less because they want it to be more of one type of story and less of another. I liked it more. As this went on, I, I really really ended up loving this movie i just this is kind of the i don't know how to describe it it's it's i love it it's wonderful and she is some movies there there are some sorry there are some reviews here on imdb like one two Mm -hmm. three some people say it's ingenious giving it a 10 out of 10 do you see i guess to your point do you see the the wide uh, just reactions yeah well and i think high concept movies like this are just not for some people like i i you know what i mean like uh pick your cubes pick your saw pick your uh what's the movie that had ryan reynolds where he's um buried those kind of movies if you're in for the concept a lot of times you're at least open for it but some people are like this is just well, this is boring nothing happens it's all one person in this weird situation i don't care about this so i can understand that for me i i love this kind of movie and i loved where it went and i thought it was inventive throughout and there's a couple scenes there's a couple sequences where an alteration occurs that blew me away where I was like, oh, wow, that is so cool. And my kid liked it, too. He was really thoroughly entertained by it. So Okay, so that is Meander. It's spelled two ways, I guess, if you're in the States. Meander is in like Wander, M-E-A-N-D-E-R, or you could spell it Meander, Meander, M-E-A-N-D-R-E. So whatever way, there's going to be different ways to... Discuss. It's one of your tops of the year, right? One of your top films. I really like this. I mean, maybe we'll also stay there by the end of the year. It may or may not, but I. It's so stylish, so cool, and just so inventive. I I loved this movie. So, but real quick, just uh, so I'm clear on the premise: they're in a tube, and then something happens to them, and then a door opens. They crawl into another tube. It closes behind them. Well, that basically, cube with the tube. They should have called it cube kind of yeah kind of <laughs> it, it's always altering so it may be and i'm not going to tell you all the things that happen obviously but you might be um she has a timer so by the end of the timer and it doesn't tell her what's going to happen she has to figure out what i'm supposed to do by the end of this timer or what will happen by the end of that timer and then that timer might reset yeah um, I, yeah I, I, you're you're really selling me on this it's mm. pretty damn and, cool. and he didn't even have to say miracle mile <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so like, that is me- it's like Miracle Mile in a tube. Miracle Mile <laughs> yeah. in a tube. So that's Meander again. That that is a on VOD digital, right? Right, Bruce. Just that, that was a rental for you. Yes, it was a rental. Yep. Mm-hmm. About okay. Two two ninety nine, three ninety nine. I mean, to me, it's well worth it. I mean, I watched it twice for God's sake. I, I would think if that sounds interesting to you, you're at least going to enjoy it, and you might love it. Did your son love it? He really liked it quite a bit. He liked uh, Come True better. That's his favorite movie of the year so far. So. Oh, come, okay, Come True. Well, obviously you're giving your son, your um, your oldest son, a lot of bad advice, Bruce, because when he asks you about some good movies, the first thing you got to do is just, what's your son's name again? Not Andrew. I only know him as not Andrew. What, what is Daniel. It? Daniel, my bad. You just tell Daniel one thing, okay? Before he gets and sits down with you to watch these meander movies, give him the 20 to 30 De Palma movies. Just say, hey, get back to me when you're done with the whole thing. Start with, th- start with Bonfire of the Vanities, and then work your way to the top. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what he wants to watch next. You tell me if I'm I'm off base. He actually wants to read the Silence of the Lambs and then watch the Silence of the Lambs. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I I would do that. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. I mean, I did it the other way around, but the, I mean the 
it's been a while since I read the book and saw the movie for that matter. But from what I remember, they're both quite similar. Uh, that you know, there there might be like a couple of scenes here and there that they change, but I, I remember them being pretty on point. Mm-hmm. Okay, before we get to okay, I, I've never read. I don't read, so I've, I've never read the Thomas Harris book. But Eric, do you have one more recommendation before we get to our pick of the week for our, our box pick? I did. And by the way, uh, Greg, my name's not Eric. Uh, what is it? Oh, Walter Paisley. Sorry, Walter Paisley. Yes, yes Walter, Walter Walter Paisley, Paisley. Walter played Paisley. by the great Dick Miller in a Roger Corman movie called A Bucket of Blood. Oh, look at this. Uh, listeners, it, yeah, Bucket of Blood, both <laughs> Eric and Bruce surprised me. They both have the DVD. I feel left yes, out. Yes, Bruce, but does yours say previously viewed on the bottom? <laughs> no, mine says Hollywood video, though. <laughs> Yeah. How the heck? I don't know. How the heck did you guys do this? Have you guys both always had a bucket of blood DVD or something? Or what's going on? I just picked up the DVD at the uh, Entertainment the other day and then uh, found it on a a streaming service that I'm no longer going to say out loud because I'm angry with them right now. (laughs) Okay. Fair. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Bucket of blood is really good. Uh, It's real short. Greg, it's like 65 minutes long. Oh, yeah. An hour and five minutes. (laughs) Where has this movie been all my life? Directed by Roger Corman, definitely into that. So, in yeah, Realm and so uh, Dick Miller, everyone knows him uh, from the greatest movie ever made, Gremlins. He played Mr. Futterman, and also knows him from the other greatest movie ever made, also as Mr. Futterman in Gremlins too, and you know, probably the twentieth best movie ever made, Demon Knight. Uh, he was also in that as. <laughs> anyway, Bucket of Blood is uh, uh, Dick Miller plays this guy Walter Paisley. He's like. I'm just a bus boy, man. But he's in this uh he's in this uh hipster place. Uh what what would they call him? Beatniks. Beatniks, yeah. Yeah. It's just a bunch of art, you know, it's basically a bar for art people. Dick Miller's a, a you know, he's a bus boy going around. He's always just kind of he can't focus on his job because he's always looking at, you know, he's listening to the poet and he's looking at people drawing pictures. He's just really impressed by everything. Oh shucks, why can't I be like these guys? Hey, hey, guy, you're really good at the poetry. You were saying this and this. And it's like, I never repeat a word I say because that is to repeat a moment in your life and blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, shucks, guy. That, that, that there is a good way of thinking. I'm going to think that way myself. And then, you know, uh, but anyway, Walter Paisley, though, he's a, he's just a lonely guy. And he uh, spends a lot of time at his house. He goes home and he cooks some beans. And he starts, uh, he starts hearing a, uh, you know, he's got this clay. He's going to make something. I'm going to, I'm going to be a sculptor. I'm going to make something out of it. And then he starts hearing a cat meow. <laughs> he's like, hey, cat, how'd you get in the wall? Here, don't worry, I'll help you out. And he goes to get a knife to cut a hole in the wall to get the cat out. <laughs> as soon as he stabs the knife in the wall, out of just pure chance, he just got the cat right in the heart and killed him. <laughs> Ah, come on, cat. You okay? Oh, he gets the cat out, and there's this dead cat with a knife in him. And he's like, oh, man, he feels so bad about it. And then he looks at the clay, and it's like, huh. And then so the next scene is Walter Paisley. is like, hey, yeah, I made the sculpture for you. And it's like, wow, that is really good, Walter. What do you call it? I call it a dead cat. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so lifelike, all the, all the detail. And so uh, he starts getting uh, he starts getting a bunch of praise from the other artists in this beatnik bar uh, for this uh, wonderful cat sculpture that he made. Later on, uh, he decides that uh, you know he's talking to some girl and she slips him some uh, 
slips him some heroin. He doesn't know it's heroin because you know he's he's kind of a prude in that in that uh way. And he goes home and this uh police guy, hey there, Walter, I know you got heroin. He's like, Oh, is that heroin? What's that doing there? It's like, oh, you should know you had it, blah blah blah. Anyway, the and then uh the cop uh pulls a gun on him and says, You're coming with me, Walter. And then Walter freaks out and kills the cop. Oh no, why'd you make me do that, Coppa? Why'd you make me do that? And then he looks at the clay and it's like, well, and he he makes this clay. So that that's what he does. Now he starts he starts killing people and basically covering them in clay, making it look like he uh created these very detailed clay statues. And this movie is very fun, very tight. And uh yeah, I totally recommend watching this. This is like a good midnight movie kind of thing. And it's just uh quick in and out. And you can have a lot of fun with it. And I guess this one, uh, they used the, the trivia aspect of it. This was the movie they made before Little Shop of Horrors. Because they got the movie done like that. And they had the extra, they already had the set. They had the extra time. They're like, fuck it. We're making Little Shop of Horrors next. And then they threw that together in a couple of days. I think this one's better. But uh, yeah, check it out. How's the clay stuff look? How, how does the clay stuff look? Pretty cool. It, it looks all right. I mean, it's all black and white, so it's mm. you know you, you can tell that it's not an actual person instead of the clay. But uh, you know, for for what it is, it, it doesn't look terrible. Mm. Bruce, you have the DVD, so I guess love it. Oh yeah, this well. is a no brainer. This is such this is such a fun weird B movie, and yeah, you this has. I mean, this is one of the best parodies of like hipster art culture that I've ever seen honestly <laughs> and it actually kind of nails it in a way yeah and it still works you could just yeah. replace these beatniks with you know pick your pick your um super uh, uppity artistic community the film reviewers <laughs> there you go <laughs> and i gotta say that's a corman thing not nearly too. as good as superman 3 <laughs> you know what's interesting if you could put the double features of a bucket of blood and pair that with velvet buzzsaw because i haven't seen velvet buzzsaw with jake oh, gyllenhaal so it's a nightmare. Oh, that movie just really is horrible. Velvet oh, okay. Buzzsaw. Velvet Buzzsaw is one you could watch and make fun of because it is just a train wreck and a half. And it tries to be this. Uh, it's yeah, it's bad. Actually, mm. this this one is is would actually go good with a little shop of horrors, but I would do the Frank Oz one. This movie would make a really good play. You could adapt mm-hmm. this into a play quite easily, and I th- I think I think this would be a good like uh like if you're um I don't know if you're listening to this and you have like a theater nearby like I would really like to adapt a movie into a play. This would probably be absolutely perfect to do just that. Okay, so that is a bucket of blood, as you can tell. It's available on DVD. I'm assuming it's available on streaming and and rental and all that stuff. But yep. uh, yeah, guys, even if you're not a big Roger Corman fan, does this has does this movie have sort of wide appeal just because it's just entertaining? I think so. I I, I yep. mean, again, it's an hour and five minutes long. It just breezes by and feels like you get tales from the crypt or twilight zone episode. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those things. It's, it's a high concept and it just gets in, tells its story and gets out. And the, the ending, oh man, the ending's really good too. I won't get <laughs> into that, but I think some people might see the ending as cheesy, but I, I think it works pretty good. I like the uh, story of Walter Paisley, and I kind of like to see a story with him in Seymour <laughs> in a giant plant. Well, Eric, that they want to you know turn what... into a sculpture. Okay, cool. Eric, you know what else works pretty good? What's that? Peter Beta's music. 
Eric. Yo, Pete, drop that beat. Who's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? All right, we're back with Bruce Perky's What's in the Box. Thank you so much, Peter Beta from Middle Class Film Class. What do you got for us, Bruce Perky, for our final film to cover this week? We have The Black Book, a.k.a. Reign of Terror from 1949, directed by Anthony Mann. Sort of suggested to us by uh, Joe Dante. He doesn't know it, but he did. <laughs> so, And uh, I know you ended up watching it too, right, Greg? Yeah, but what did he, Dante just ended up really enjoying it. He just told people to rec- to see it or something. Is that what he said? When you guys well, we were something? watching the, um, we were watching him talk about the howling, what is it, 40th anniversary mm-hmm. or whatever it was. He was in his room and one of the questions somebody asked on the live stream was, hey, what's one of those movies behind you? Because he's like us, a pile of movies behind him. It's just an office full of movies, DVDs and stuff. And they said, what's one that you just watched recently or one that you, sh- you would suggest from that pile? And, and he mentioned this movie. So I was like, oh, he just told me to put it in the box. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what I did. And he was on there with, um, who's he on there with? He was on there with, um, oh, the woman from E.T. What's her name? D. Wallace Stone. Yes, D. Wallace Stone. Because she's that's one of her first movies is The Howling. So yeah, we watched that. And you probably will have a lot more insight into this. Because it's kind of more oh, your... Oh, really? My goodness. Are you giving me credit for something I shouldn't get credit for? <laughs> Reign <laughs> of Terror was released in 1949. It's directed by Anthony Mann. The thing about Anthony Mann, I don't know if you knew this, Eric, is he was obviously, we talked about it, we're going we're gonna to release our Spartacus Lolita episode soon. He was the original director behind Spartacus. Yes, very good, very good. Eric Holmes is showing and flexing, flexing his Spartacus Criterion DVD, and he's flexing too. He has got good muscles, muscles with the Spartacus. Very good, very good. Flexing in and out. Very good, Eric. But Anthony Holmes, Anthony Holmes, Anthony Mann, he is best known, even though not just being replaced from Spartacus, and he's done, I think, a couple of short and sandal epics. He's done a couple of film noirs. Anthony Mann is best known for Westerns. And if you look at the works of, let's say, Clint Eastwood with with dark Westerns like The Outlaw, Josie Wales, or Unforgiven, there's a dark element to it. But that dark element, in my opinion, started with the work of Anthony Mann. So Winchester 73, Bend of the River, The Naked Spur, a lot of his movies, Man of the West with Gary Cooper, has a lot of that dark undercurrents. The reason why I'm saying this is my intro to Anthony Mann has nothing to do with Reign of Terror, which is, I think it goes back to what what Eric Holmes was saying regarding Pig. It totally cold-cocked him and floored him, and he, he didn't know what to think. I had no idea what to think because I have, I don't, this movie does not feel from what little I knew of Anthony Mann and his Westerns as an Anthony Mann film. So that's my preface regarding Reign of Terror, which centers on Robespierre. It's set in the French Revolution, a powerful figure in the, in the French Revolution, is desperately looking for his black book. And in that black book, there is a death list of those marked for the guillotine. Now trying to stop, by the way, Robespierre is played by, with glee is played by, (laughs) and Menace is played by Richard Basehart. And the people who are trying to stop Robespierre from exacting his reign on France is Robert Cummings, who's basically known as a comedic actor. He plays Charles in this movie. And his, I guess, former flame, is Madeline, played by Arlene Dahl. Arlene Dahl is, was one of the screen sirens of the era. So that is the premise. It's basically them teaming up to try to take down Robespierre. The only problem is Robespierre has a huge amount of leverage because he is he's a great order. He's, a great, he's very charismatic, and he has an iron fist when it comes to ruling France. So, Bruce, it's your, it's your movie. You, you, you went into yeah. it. 
Yeah, I think this is, um, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's not, I don't think this is going to change your life, but I think you, it's, it's, it's a fun kind of um, adventure. I guess it's, if you want more French Revolution in your noir or a little more noir in your French Revolution, <laughs> this is kind of a combo platter. I think it's kind of an odd movie. And this is, once again, it's where you can kind of chime in. I haven't seen this kind of combo much where you have this kind of historical, I guess, historical thriller mixed with this very noir kind of style and, and approach. Like it starts out, so the basic idea is that, that uh, Rose Pierre wants to team up with the other version of himself similar kind of uh dictator type dude and kind of yeah and basically robert cummings character kills off this other dude and impersonates him to try to infiltrate um robespierre's inner circle and get this black book which is basically like the hit list and if they can expose this black book then everyone will go against robespierre and and the good people can run france instead of this dictator that's kind of the idea and there's all these twists and turns and double crosses and people and once again uh greg you could tell me what you thought there's some really odd and interesting sequences in here too there's a sequence at a at a roadblock with these almost southern style french dudes (laughs) trying to bargain for chickens that i thought was hilarious and there's another scene at a farmhouse um that's really good where they're trying to hide um our our heroes and it's kind of a prolonged sequence there that has some really good tension. What, what was your thoughts on this movie? I love this movie. I love Reign of Terror, a.k.a. What is it called? Reign of Terror, a.k.a. The Black Book, basically known as the Reign of Terror. Basically known as Reign of Terror. Here's the biggest thing. It's set in the French Revolution. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. It really, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It. This movie, I've seen a lot of movies. This is the one, this is the, when I think of a movie, this movie moves at one and a half times speed, meaning it moves faster than it should. When you start the movie, it doesn't end. It just continues. There's wall-to-wall movement and motion and action and everything is ramped up. You really don't have time to breathe. I love that about this movie. It's just, Bruce, you were saying it's odd. It's odd because of its speed. Yeah. (laughs) The reason why I say this, don't even worry about this being a French Revolution film. The only thing, in in my opinion, right now, especially if you're a cinephile, the only thing you, the only name you have to know, is John Alton. John Alton is the cinematographer behind this movie, behind Reign of Terror. He's considered probably film noir's best or one of the best noir technicians and lensers, artists of his day. He do, he lensed the Joseph H. Lewis movie, The Big Combo, which we all loved. Okay, so mm-hmm. if you know The Big Combo, there's a ton of style behind this. And with Reign of Terror, this movie, a lot of reviewers are saying this movie is very expressionistic. And this movie is painterly. It's beautiful. If you like the play of shadow and light, this movie, you can literally just turn the volume down and just enjoy the images behind Reign of Terror. It's a beautiful, beautifully shot movie. And honestly, there is a lot of action and you just don't know where it comes. It's, you know what? It's so out there. It reminds me of that movie that we reviewed maybe a month, month and a half ago. What was that movie with uh, with Burt Lancaster? Castle Keep? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those really out there movies that you go, I don't know how this movie was ever made. I don't know. Well, I can understand maybe because they, you want to make a movie about the French Revolution, but this might be the weirdest movie about the French Revolution, right? Just like Castle Keep might be one of the weirdest movies about World War II. I think it's just highly, highly recommended. I'm, I'm glad that Dante recommended. Also, my mom loves this movie. She actually really? told me. She saw this on YouTube several weeks ago and she loves it. 
So yeah, and it, we didn't say that it's available on YouTube because I guess they lost the rights and, and became public domain. So this is public domain. So you can watch this on YouTube and not feel guilty. There's a couple versions. One of them's really good. I also wanted to call out and what you thought about this too. There's a couple moments of really good suspense. Like there's a moment where a person is going to recognize that he isn't who he's supposed to be. And they're waiting for this, just this, just lackey guard to unlock a lock. And he's having trouble with the lock. And you're like, yeah, he's got to get the lock unlocked. And there's another scene where uh, the book is, right. is left in a place it shouldn't have been left. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost Hitchcockian the way very that's, that's yeah. played out. This is a very underrated movie, I think. It's just because, like you said, it's an oddball type of movie. Another uh, Regarding John Alton, I'm looking at his IMDb. He's worked with Anthony Mann before in the 1947 and 1948 film noirs, T-Men and Raw Deal. I can't wait to watch those movies because... Again, Alton is, I think, do you agree, Bruce? If you just want to watch it for the for the images, it's just, it's like Night of the Hunter. You can just watch and just go, wow, beautiful. So, And it's just simple entertainment too. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just very, like, this is meat and potatoes entertain. Like, this is not a, like a, a heady, you know, you don't have to like sit down and really like sit and think about it too much. You can just enjoy the ride. And yeah. like you said, enjoy the visuals, and also just think like as a as a piece of history too. It's it's kind of odd and interesting too, just to see, just to see this weird mishmash of genres kind of put together. If you so. if you like to see a lot of fire folks, a lot of horses galloping, a lot of people waving their swords and and yelling and double crosses <laughs> for literally nonstop reign of terror on a story level should work for you. Again, it it runs on one and a half speed. Now that is it. Oh, Bruce. One other thing I wanted to say, there's a, there, I love the little, little clips like this. There's a scene where one, one like horse drawn wagon is chasing another one through, I, I think it's Paris. I don't know where they're at. Yeah. And they've set it up. So a farmer's like cart will block them to block the people chasing him. And I loved it because then the people that were chasing him just shoot the farmer. They just shoot him off the, off the cart. And I'm just like, little stuff like that. That's great little touch. You know, you didn't have to have that, but it was just pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. That was, that was like, yeah, oh, I, I can't believe when that happened. I go, that just happened. My goodness. Just shot the guy off the cart. There he oh is. Okay, that's, this is the kind of movie that we're watching. Speaking of the kind of movie that we're watching, what kind of movie are you going to be watching next week for what's in the box? What's in the, what, Eric? What's in the box? Hey, Bruce. Who's in the box? What's in the box? Oh, no. <laughs> this is a good one. The gentleman that we interviewed about the... Um, oh, shoot. My brain's like... My brain is bad right now. Joe Russo? Well, no. The, uh, the Penny Black guy? Yes, Penny Black. Yes. Symbio Psycho Taxiplasm. Okay. Oh. Right. Symbiotax. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> listeners, by the way, if you don't see, go rent on VOD or whatever. The Penny Black is a very interesting documentary. Love that. And also check out our YouTube and our, our podcast feed. We interviewed the filmmaker, the filmmakers behind the Penny Black. Really interesting stuff. So that is, what is it again, Bruce? What is the movie you're watching again? Symbio. Symbio Psycho Taxi Plasma. A plasma. Okay. <laughs> I don't you can't even say it. <laughs> I don't even know. Okay, next, next up for next week, we're, go- we're going to be watching a I believe a Mark Wahlberg movie called Joe Bell. We just got that link. I think Eric, you might, we might be getting mandibles. We might be getting Bruce. You haven't gotten mandibles yet. I think we're looking forward to getting mandibles, which is when I write the fly, the giant fly, human fly in the back of a car. That, that should be an interesting thing. I, very good. I, I predict, Eric's I predict love noise. or hate. I don't think I'll be anywhere in between on that one. So. <laughs> 
And I think there's one more movie that we're thinking of getting. I don't know. Is there anything else that we're going to cover? We're covering the Mark Wahlberg, Joe Bell, and then we're talking about the flies. Maybe that's uh, the one we're supposed to talk about this week. But oh, yes. till next oh week. Miracle Help. Mile meets. Miracle Mile meets just Miracle Mile. <laughs> and we're going to be talking next week. Finally, we're going to be reviewing How It Ends, which stars my false advertising, Mayor Winningham, Anthony, Anthony Edwards, real advertising, Zoe Lister-Jones and Kaylee Spaney. Kaylee Spaney and Zoe Lister-Jones Jones are the real stars behind how it ends. Okay, speaking of how it ends, Eric, do you have any final comments you want to talk about? Anything you want to throw out there? Um, we should be having some green night in our near future uh, regarding the regarding their role-playing game. And uh, things are getting a little bigger than I thought they would be. So it'll take a little longer coming out, but it's going to be freaking sweet. When it does. How's the game? Game works? Do you, do you like the game? Yeah, yeah. the game uh, works like a D&D game. Um, but instead of fighting, it's more like you have a bunch of different events. And so you're given a kind of a morality challenge. Right. You either do this or you do that. And it makes it easy to do that. But you really need to be doing this most of the time and it's it it's it's fun it's uh what, what, what do they call that they call it words that aren't morality choice moral, life choices moral dilemma? Moral dilemma. yeah they, there you go uh yeah each each event is a moral dilemma and the moral dilemmas get more and more difficult as you go along it's a pretty sweet game i've always had a problem putting moral and dilemma together in a sentence it just doesn't really work with me <laughs> I, I have trouble putting many words together in a sentence <laughs> Okay, so that is uh, that is interesting. Some uh, board games with the what is it again? The green, the green knight, right? That's that's a, that's a yeah. movie, the green knight. Yeah, the green right, knight, uh, so. right, it, right, right there, right there behind. Uh, oh, the green this knight, guy right here. Okay, which actually game. you can go to a twenty four dot com, get a copy of it yourself. Very cool. And uh, it, it's a it's a very easy game to learn, and uh, just pick it up and and uh, play it with your friends. I mean, it's it's one of those things you can set up like that and play almost immediately that is the green knight and then by the way the movie comes out later this month i believe the last weekend of july as per usual bruce Berkey, final thoughts regarding before we're out here my final thought is that we're gonna have so much great stuff coming out this week you need to definitely listen to our upcoming talk about billy jack and you need to listen to mr anderson cowan on some other platforms but mostly with us talking about spartacus and lolita all right, guys, that is cool. We will be a uh, very beautiful plug, Eric Holmes on Spartacus. Thank you guys so much for listening to Find Your Film. Always hit us up for movie recommendations. Definitely Bruce Perky with What's in the Box. We will see you next week. <laughs>